Is it exercise or is it movement? Hello, my cubicle cardio, open space sit-ups, corner office chin-ups, home den dips, and coffee shop sprinters. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I am not the workplace hero. Nor am I the workspace guru, the office space sage, or the business space mentor. <laughs> We're in this together, me and you. One podcast at a time, improving our lives and hopefully dragging a few of our co-workers along with us. Now, as we warm up for our main set, you like my athlete lingo there? I want to thank some true heroes, those folks who've left reviews for this podcast over at iTunes. Thank you, Astrid H77, Tree Clown, West Coast Listener, JW108, Wally PhD, Kristen State, and KDiggity108 for leaving five-star reviews along with some helpful feedback. I truly appreciate it, and I know you folks who've been listening to podcasts for a while have heard this a million times, but seriously, leaving a review really does help new listeners find this podcast. Think of it this way. If you can't put dollars in my pocket, you can put some love in my heart. Okay, on with the show, and don't forget you can find the show notes for this episode over at workplacehero.me workout. I found a great list of five horrible exercise excuses over at wellnessmama.com and a few more over at breakingmuscle.com that I think sum up the top excuses that I've also heard over the years of being a fitness coach. They go like this. Exercise excuse number one. I'm too busy. Yes, I get that you're busy. You know, I don't pretend to be the busiest person in the world, and even I've used this excuse. But I bet if you were to truly track how you use every minute of your day, you could find a spare 20 minutes, or probably more. Remember in the last podcast episode over at workplacehero.me slash distractions how we learned that we actually check our smartphones 105 times per day? If we have the time to check our phones every six minutes, Surely we can get up and break a sweat occasionally too, right? Yeah, I think so too. Excuse number two. It's too expensive. If you think that the only way to get fit is to join an expensive gym, buy a bunch of fancy equipment, or hire a personal trainer, then yeah, it's probably too expensive for most of us. The good news is, later in this episode, you will learn that you don't need any of that to actually get exercise. You truly only need your body and some inspiration. And maybe a pair of old shorts. Excuse number three. I'm in pain. Yes, this excuse does have merit if you're injured or dealing with chronic pain, and you don't want to just push through it. We here at Workplace Hero do not believe in the no pain, no gain theory, but most injuries can be handled appropriately with some modification, adaptation, or simply choosing a different way to exercise. If you are dealing with chronic pain, you may also want to consider the very real possibility that your inactive lifestyle is contributing to, or perhaps even causing, that chronic pain. Excuse number four. I move enough already. This was my excuse too for a while because I worked in this old building that had very few washrooms and one very old and slow elevator. 
I also hear this excuse from new parents. Now don't get me wrong, if you have an active job or lifestyle that keeps you on your feet, then, well, you're doing better than a lot of people out there. But there is still something mentally and emotionally rewarding about you focusing on your body through your own dedicated workout. Not simply as a byproduct of having hyper kids, a slave driver boss, or having to take four flights of stairs every time you have to pee. Excuse number five. I don't like it. You know, at the heart of so many of these excuses is this one. Exercise isn't fun. It's boring. It's uncomfortable. And believe me, I tried a variety of things before I found something that really fit for me too. It took a while to figure it out and, get this, it keeps changing. For a while I loved running, then I rediscovered hockey, then triathlon, then you couldn't keep me out of the pool, then obstacle courses, and right now I'm kind of addicted to lifting heavy stuff. There are so many options. You know, don't let your preconceived notions of how boring it is to pump iron or how strange you feel taking yoga stop you from digging into a evening shinny game or a lunch hour power walk. Excuse number six. I'm too old. No one is too old to exercise. Walking is exercise. Yoga is exercise. There are so many forms of exercise to choose from, ranging from low impact to high impact to mobility to balance to strength training. There are even classes specifically designed for seniors. A great place to start looking for classes that fit your age and ability is at your local YMCA or college health club. Excuse number seven. I have a bad back. Unless your doctor tells you to just lie in bed, activity is the best way to keep your back limber, to strengthen it, and to prevent additional pain. Dr. Ulrich, a board-certified orthopedic spine surgeon and the medical director of Spine Health says, bed rest for more than one or two days can actually undermine healing. But here's a public service announcement. If you suffer from back pain, see a doctor or physical therapist for a correct diagnosis as well as for specific exercises and stretches to help alleviate the pain. Don't be a wimp, but also don't be an idiot. Excuse number eight. I'm too fat. Believing that you're too overweight to exercise is like saying you're too skinny to eat. Your body needs exercise just the way your body needs food. No matter what the number on the scale, you can do something to start the process of strengthening your bones and joints for the load that they're carrying. And if you're extremely self-conscious, you can always work out at home. But please, don't fall into the trap of believing that exercise has to hurt or make you sweaty or out of breath to be effective. Exercise is often a matter of simply moving more. And lastly, number nine, and this has to be my favorite excuse of all, and by favorite I mean that I don't like it one bit. Excuse number nine. I'm skinny, so I don't need to exercise. Gah! As a species, we have to stop confusing exercise with weight loss. They are not the same thing. There are so many benefits we get from exercise. Weight loss is only one, and you know, honestly, it's by far the smallest one as well. Most weight loss experts will tell you that the best results are 80% from diet and only 20% from exercise. 
And yes, lean mass is usually associated with better health, but it is not an indicator of your organ health, your lipid levels, or insulin sensitivity. Exercise is not just to keep our weight down, and let's try to disassociate weight loss from fitness. Weight loss is a number, fitness is a process that benefits our entire body and mind. Okay, enough with the excuses, let's talk about why you would want to exercise in the first place. If it isn't that great of a way to lose weight, what is it good for? Well, the body is a complex thing, and a lot, and I do mean a lot, happens in your body when you first start working out. So let's take a look at just a few, starting with the changes in your muscles, which use glucose and a thing called ATP, adenosine triphosphate, for contraction and movement. To create more ATP, your body needs more oxygen. So your breathing increases and your heart starts pumping more blood to your muscles. Then, as you work out, tiny little tears in your muscles occur and make them grow bigger and stronger as those tiny tears heal between your exercise sessions. There are also changes in your lungs. As your muscles call for more oxygen, as much as 15 times more oxygen than when they're at rest, your breathing rate increases. Once the muscles surrounding your lungs cannot move any faster, you've reached what's called your VO2 max, your maximum capacity of oxygen use. And in a nutshell, the higher your VO2 max, the more badass you are. A high VO2 max is one of the things that Lance Armstrong, no relation, was known for before he got known for, well, that other thing. There are also changes in your heart. Your heart rate increases during physical activity to supply more oxygenated blood to your muscles. The fitter you are, the more effectively your heart can do this, allowing you to work out longer and harder. As a side effect, this increased efficiency will also reduce your resting heart rate and your blood pressure will decrease as a result of new blood vessels forming. Then there is some fun stuff that happens in your brain as well. As Sarah Klein says in her Huffington Post article, this is what happens to your body when you exercise. When you work out regularly, your brain gets used to this frequent surge of blood and adapts by turning certain genes on or off. Many of these changes boost brain cell function and protect from diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, or even stroke, and ward off age-related decline. A number of very cool neurotransmitters are also triggered. Endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, glutamate, and GABA. You may recognize these names because some of them are well known for their role in mood control. And they explain why exercise can be one of the most effective preventions and treatments for anxiety and depression. There are, of course, also changes that happen in your joints and bones, since exercise can place as much as six times more than your body weight on them. Peak bone mass is achieved in adulthood and then begins a slow decline, but exercise can help you maintain healthy bone mass as you get older. You've probably heard that weight-bearing exercise is one of the most effective remedies against osteoporosis, better even than your calcium supplement, which may actually do more damage than good. In a vast oversimplification, when you're young, your bones are dense, but actually somewhat porous and soft. As you age, your bones can easily become less dense and more brittle. 
especially if you remain or become inactive. Dr. Joseph Mercola has a great blog post about the benefits of exercise. In it, he says that one of the key benefits of exercise is that it helps normalize your glucose, your insulin, and your leptin levels by optimizing insulin-leptin receptor sensitivity. This is perhaps the most important factor for optimizing your overall health and preventing a plethora of chronic diseases. But exercise affects your body in tons of other ways as well, directly and indirectly. And even the most surprising side effects of exercise are almost universally good ones. For example, improved sexual function, changes in gene expression, clearer skin, improved mood, and improved sleep. Alright, it's time to bring in our guest hero for the week. To dive even deeper into this subject, I asked Ben Greenfield for some help. Ben is also known as the brain of triathlon. He holds a master's degree in exercise science and biomechanics, an ISN sport nutrition certification, a Sorota bike fit certification, and the highest attainable certification as a strength and conditioning coach by the NSCA. Ben also has an information-packed podcast over at bengreenfieldfitness.com. And a little side note, I was the co-host of that show between 2011 and 2015. Brock, I'm feeling like an old, old man right now. You kind of sound like an old man. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to say anything, but... Uh... Anyway, I asked Ben for his take on why we need to worry about moving and exercising more in the first place. Uh, why indeed, if, if we aren't going to, say, want to go out and get a, a six-pack, or if we're Batman, perhaps a nine-pack abs, uh, or we don't want to like go out and do a triathlon or a marathon, should we move and exercise? Well, it seems like there's some kind of like an evolutionary uh, or ancestral, depending on your bent, uh, advantage to moving. Uh, and there, there's a variety of things that happen physiologically when you move, when you exercise that go way above and beyond just you being able to say like, you know, put on a unitard and go deadlift copious amounts of weight. One would be, and, and you're probably familiar with this one, uh, miracle grow for the brain. One of the, the primary ways that you can increase things like the growth of new neurons and improve your intelligence and your memory and your executive function is with movement and specifically exercise. Uh, it's it's a, something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor that gets released mm -hmm. when you exercise or mm -hmm. BDNF. Originally, it was thought that you could only get that with aerobic exercise, right? Like jogging or something like that. But it turns out now like any type of movement, lifting something heavy, sprinting, anything seems to cause brain growth. So that's one thing. Uh, so basically you, you do it so you don't get stupid. There are some obvious de-stressing benefits. We're all familiar with kind of like this concept of catharsis and the fact that, you know, if you have a lot of, a lot of cortisol and the subsequent like epinephrine and these excitatory neurotransmitters that cortisol is going to release, well, if you don't have some kind of an outlet for those, they can often lead to internal stress that builds up and, you know, as far-fetched as this may seem, leads to things like 
ulcers and mm. high blood pressure. And in some cases, some have su suggested even like uh, cancer. And so, mm. you know, the, this idea of reducing internal stress by moving, by giving yourself an outlet uh, would, would be another big advantage. Uh, of course, you know, we, we know that beyond like the sinews and the body fat and the big biceps, we have our immune system, right? Nobody likes to get mm. sick. Well, one of the main ways that you get stuff moving around your body, you know, one of the reasons I have one of those dorky little mini trampolines here in my office that I'll bounce up and down <laughs> on sometimes is your lymph flow, right? That, that it's, it's one of the best ways to clean your body up is to move and to move vigorously and to exercise. And even if you have no desire again at all to drop your body fat percentage or to get strong, I would hazard a guess you probably don't want to get sick. And people who move often tend to have or do have based on research, stronger immune systems. And of course, there's there's all the side benefits too, right? Like happiness and confidence and longevity and all these downstream benefits. So yeah, I mean, it goes it goes way beyond just being able to uh, to show off at the track. So the next thing you listeners are probably wondering is why do we modern humans need to think about this? Surely Paleolithic or even Elizabethan humans didn't go to the gym or play lunch hour games of horse, did they? So why do we need to worry about this now? Mm. Well, first of all, uh, I love that term Elizabethan human. I'm actually <laughs> going to begin calling myself an Elizabethan human. You have to use forsooth all the time if you, if you yes, do that. Hello, I'm Ben and I'm an Elizabethan human. God, God, why should they mock poor fellows thus? And would you say that this is even more important these days because we're spending so much time like we get up we get we sit in our car or we sit on the subway we get to work we sit at our desk and we get back in the car and we sit there and then we come home and we sit in, on the couch in front of the tv is this even more of a, more importance than it ever has been in the in the history of humankind because of this sedentary behavior I mean, it's a tricky question because there, there's kind of like two replies to that question. One, yeah, of, of course it's important. The more sedentary you are, the more important it is to figure out like how to bookend exercise the beginning or the end of the day. But I'd say even that thinking pattern is a little bit flawed. We should instead say, well, now that we're surrounded by all these, uh, you know, pieces of furniture and environmental variables and uh, post-industrial industrial luxuries that allow us to be able to sit and lay down and be still for copious amounts of time, perhaps what's best is not to say, okay, well, I'm going to exercise at the beginning or the end of the day. Perhaps instead you're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to stick it to the man, and I'm going to actually figure out how to not use all of these modern things that mm. surround me that allow me to stay in this sedentary position. You know, that's right right now, Brock, I'm, I'm standing. I'm not just standing. I'm standing on this, like this topographical mat. That's like, kind of like got bumps in it and little things I can move my mm. feet around. You've got on. me beat. I, my, my mat is just flat, oh, but I am not, standing. Okay. <laughs> it, perhaps it's at least Elizabethan, if not topographical. <laughs> Forsooth. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, treadmills and I've got like a, like a heavy punching bag right next to me here. And when I'm on the airplane, I kind of have this rule that every time I go to the bathroom, I'll do like 50 squats in the tiny little airplane bathroom. And, you know, I don't go for an hour without standing up and stretching, going back and visiting with the, with the flight attendant. And, 
uh, you know, and when I'm waiting for a plane to fly or, or waiting for a bus or waiting in line at the dentist or the doctor, you know, I'm doing little squats and jumping jacks and, and moving and staying active and moving that lymph flow and increasing that miracle grow for my brain and increasing my confidence and my happiness and my longevity without necessarily ever stepping foot into a gym. So I'd say, you know, yeah, it's important to exercise, but perhaps it's even more important to figure out ways to kind of like hack our environments and set up rules in our lives that allow us to not be stuck sedentary all day long. That's fantastic. That leads directly. Like, it's like you read my mind into my next question, which is what kind of things can we do while we're actually at work in the office or in our cubicle or, or wherever we happen to, to be working that, uh, that we can sure. build these kinds of things into our day. Yeah. Well, it's a great question because I, I don't drive to the gym. I, I have a gym membership and I go there sometimes to play tennis or to take my kids to jujitsu. And the reason for that is because I have set up my environment so that I can exercise at the drop of the hat when the opportunity presents itself. And I don't want to spend 10 minutes driving to the gym and 10 minutes going back because that's 20 minutes of exercise. And sometimes that's all the time I have, period, to mm -hmm. exercise. So surround yourself with things that allow you to stay active all day long. And this morning's a perfect example. Before you and I uh, began to to talk on today's show, I had a cancellation, right? I was supposed to, I, you know, I, I talk with people about their their blood and their biomarkers and their, their health and their sleep yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And this, this guy was going <laughs> to talk to me and he canceled that bastard. Uh, and so I have a kettlebell here in my office and I also have this little like elliptical trainer type of setup. So I did five rounds of a minute as hard as I could do on that elliptical trainer and then 30 kettlebell swings just back and forth and back and forth. Boom. I found that half hour slot and I got exercise in today that improved my, you know, my mitochondria and my lymph and my, you know, every, everything we just got done talking about, but I squeezed it in right there. Cause I had that stuff right there. So that's one thing is to actually surround yourself with things in your office, whether it's a medicine ball or a stability ball or a kettlebell or a heavy punching bag or, you know, some kind of a fancy workout contraption, like a, like a walking treadmill desk doesn't matter, but have it there and have it there top of mind. So that at the drop of the hat, you can actually exercise. You can even exercise while you're working. You know, in many cases, I'm on my treadmill while I'm making a phone call. Um, another thing would be to accept the fact that movement snacks are okay. Movement snacks. Yeah, snacks. Mm, uh, sounds delicious. Movement snacks does not mean you wave your hands around and then eat a Twinkie. Oh. It means that you're actually snacking on movement all day long. Uh. What that means is like resist fitting into like that status quo orthodox idea that you have to go to the gym for an hour to exercise. Well, who says you can't do four 15 minute little snacks throughout the day. And by the end of the day, you've done that hour at the gym, right? Because you've got this little routine that you do. That's like whatever, 15 pushups, 15 squats, 15 crunches, 15 lunges, 15 jumping jacks, five times through that takes you 15 minutes. And at a few different times during the day, you're going to do that right? All of a sudden you've got these little, little snacks, little movements you can rely on. For me, it's usually like jumping jacks or burpees or like, I'll do these little things throughout the day. So that, that's, that's another way that we can, we can squeeze it in. Um, a few of the things that I'll do is, uh, I'd say three of the things I start my day with momentum, meaning when I get out of bed, you know, as the coffee's on or whatever, I'll just do like a hundred jumping jacks or I'll do like a few quick yoga moves or something that gets my brain thinking, oh, hey, you kind of started to move today already. So you might as well keep doing it. It's this weird mm. psychological trigger that like gives me momentum to keep moving the rest of the day. Uh, another thing that I have are like a lot of little workouts in my back pocket that I can rely upon based on how I feel. 
right? So if I'm really tired and I don't feel like exercising, well, what I'll do is I'll walk out my door 10 minutes and I'll walk back 10 minutes and I'll tell myself, okay, I'm going to, every time I pass a telephone pole, see if I can hold my breath as long as possible, Hmm. (laughs) right? So I'm moving, I'm holding my breath, but it's something that I'm like, okay, that's okay. That counts. And even if I'm really tired and having a crappy day, I can at least freaking walk and hold my breath. And then there's other days where I'll do, where I'll have like, you know, what I would just talked about, where I'll have like the kettlebell and the elliptical and that'll be like another workout. That's like a a tried and true workout. So if you have a few workouts kind of memorized that you can rely upon, what it does is it eliminates decision-making fatigue Mm, and keeps you from sitting there, you know, rubbing your chin, trying to figure out what you're going to do with all this crap that you heard on, on the podcast that you're supposed to put in your office and you're standing there staring at the medicine ball and the kettlebell and you're like, okay, that's all there, but what do I do? Well, if you know, like right off the bat, you have memorized, okay, one of my go-to workouts is I pick up that medicine ball and I lift it above my head 15 times. Then I slam it into the ground 15 times. Then I do 10 pushups and 10 squats. And I do that three times through. And that's like my, that's my workout. That's one of my memorized workouts, right? So I have a few of those that I just have memorized that completely eliminate decision-making fatigue that I just know I can go to. And I can do that at, at any given time of the day. And I've got a few hard ones and I got a few easy ones. And then the last thing that I do, because I'm a family man, and I would hazard a guess that a lot of busy people are family people, mm-hmm. is I don't necessarily forsake the idea, or as we would say in Elizabethan terms, forsook <laughs> uh, the idea that you can exercise with your family, right? So in many cases, I will just, you know, if my boys get home from school, I'll tell them, okay, guys, let's go out and shoot hoops, and you guys are going to play pig. Dad's going to run up and down the driveway, and I'm going to grab one of you each time I get to the top of the driveway and carry you down, carry you up, and then set you down. Then the other guy shoots hoops, and I carry you down, carry you up, and we do that 10 times through. Or we're going to go on a hike, and I'm going to put a heavy rock in my backpack so you can keep up with me, and we're just going to we're just going to hike. And, you know, or, you know, for example, I'll even do like those breath hold walks with them. Occasionally we'll just like do a few wrestling moves down in the basement. And that'll be my workout is me just like moving and having them chase me. Or we have like these, you know, like these Velcro bands we'll attach around our ankles and we chase each other around seeing who can get the bands off each other's ankles. And we've got Nerf guns that we'll fight with in the house. Like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to involve like a barbell or a dumbbell or a kettlebell for it to count as a workout. It can just be like you running around and fooling around with your kids. Like that counts. So, and let, give yourself permission that that counts. Um, so those are a few ideas. I love the idea that it doesn't have to be complicated. I think a lot of us do have this preconceived notion of, of exercise needing to be something very structured, something planned, something that happens in the gym, something that involves expensive equipment, expensive outfits, all of that kind of stuff. But you're saying that it doesn't have to be that way. Every little bit of movement really counts. Yeah, except for as far as expensive outfits go, I do really, really encourage people to get the puffy aerobic socks. And like <laughs> I mentioned earlier, a unitard, preferably a leopard print unitard, and you know, it just makes you feel really good about yourself as an exerciser if you can do that. And you are a child of the 80s, so you can't resist. Yeah, exactly. Every week on the podcast, I try to give all the listeners, all the workplace heroes out there, a piece of homework that they can build into their day right away and continue for the next five business days to try and build a new habit or or break an old habit. Do you have anything that they could start incorporating right away as soon as they finish listening to this podcast? 
Yeah, I do. I was just reading in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research this morning about how beneficial this thing called a hip hinge is. A hip hinge. It turns on your butt. It opens up like all your pelvic girdle. It's great for your This is part of your body. Well, the hips are part of your body. The movement is called a hinge. Okay. And all it involves is... You, and you could totally Google this and look up a video or perhaps in the show notes, Brock could put a video, but sure. you like kind of bent forward at the waist and like thrust your hips forward as though you were thrusting your hips forward. I think most people <laughs> kind of know how to thrust. We have yeah. this strange evolutionary mechanism that makes us want to walk around thrusting. Um, anyways, though, you thrust your hips forward and you can do it with a weight, right? So a perfect example of this would be a kettlebell swing. It's like the perfect hip thruster activity that is even better than sprinting for your cardiovascular system. And so my piece of homework for people listening in is to learn how to do a hip hinge where you bend at the waist and you push your hips forward. You could do it body weight only. And if you want bonus points, buy yourself a little kettlebell and learn how to do a hip hinge movement called a kettlebell swing. Now, whether you do the regular body weight hip hinge or you do the kettlebell swing hip hinge, set a goal for yourself for the next week to do 30 at some point each day. That's it. 30 all in one go or can yeah, you break them up? Yeah, it'll take you like a minute or two to do 30, yeah. Okay. And how about if you have a heavy backpack, would you be able to grab the top of that and mm -hmm. use that instead of a kettlebell? You could use a heavy backpack. You could use a milk jug. You could use a very large piece of steak. You could <laughs> a small coworker. I'll, I'll stop before we start to hurt people. But yes, you can use other things. Awesome. I will definitely find a video of that and put it in the show notes over at workplacehero.me slash workout. Thanks, Ben. That was very helpful and informative. And uh, it's great to talk to you again. Well, thank you for having me on. It's wonderful to hear your lolling Canadian accent. And it's also wonderful to hear that little Elizabethan twinge that you worked in. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks, A. God be with you all! While we all know that staying physically active is essential to a long, healthy, productive life, we often don't make time for it in our days. And I think that's because we really don't understand exactly what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, we know there's a big difference between having a bucket list goal of doing something like running a marathon and simply being a healthy individual who has both physical freedom now and will be able to enjoy an active retirement. And hopefully this podcast gave you a better understanding of the whys, the hows, and even the whens of exercise, so you can seize the moment to grab a movement snack and make this week count. Workplace Hero is researched, written, narrated, and recorded by me, Brock Armstrong, with editing help from Eleanor Cohen. Podcast logo by Ken Cunningham, and original music by my band, The Irregular Heartbeats. Today's guest hero is Ben Greenfield, and you can find more out about him and his award-winning podcast at bengreenfieldfitness.com. <laughs>